You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 462 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined today by Mr. Seth Miller. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. You uh, recovered from Japan? No. Come out of your food coma yet? No. <laughs> Jet lag's a mess. Food's a mess. I mean, I'm... I'm a mess on a good day anyways, but it's been, you know, I'm slowly getting closer. I don't know. I got to go see the doctor about why I can't sleep um, generally. And so doing that on jet lag is going to be super exciting. Mm. Yeah, tons definitely, definitely some quality test results coming in <laughs> there soon. Uh, and we'll talk about Japan in the bonus topic yeah. for our Patreon subscribers. So stick around for that. Um, but first, first things first. Well, there's hang a- up before we get to first things first. Can I ask how you're doing? Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> I got, I got nothing to talk about. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, n- the new Nook Airport in Greenland. Uh, yeah, 2024 is when it's set to open. Late next year. This is has been under construction for a while now. They've been planning it. They've been working on it. Uh, among other things, it will move the main airport for the country uh, into the capital. Um. And the big problem they had basically is that every they there was nowhere to put. Originally, there was nowhere to sort of build the long runway that they mm. needed, or their three thirties to run to Europe and do other long haul bits. And so uh, they built a short runway there, and they built a long one somewhere else. I don't remember the name of the town, but it's inconvenient. It's kind of a dump, and there's nothing there except the runway. Mm. And so I think we've talked about this. I'm planning to be on the inaugural flight from Ikalit to Nuk next summer and that one's on a q400 so it's easy they can just you know do it yep and uh as part of that though i was looking around at what to do and where to be etc and the uh options were much everybody basically says you want to be in nook but you can't get away from there like you took to get onward you have to build in the connection time and everything so that was a little bit awkward to make that happen oh so like to go to the other airports that connect the international airports that connect to europe you you got to give yourself extra time to do that yeah i mean it's not much and i actually at one point i think i built us in a milk run of flights and it's mm-hmm. only an extra stop but i like i can get the extra line and it doesn't cost me any time along the way really of course i will yeah um but i also expect that they're going to do a like schedule this is for next june so i anticipate there'll be a schedule chain and someone will decide to make my life better uh in a way that i don't want <laughs> Better in air quotes, right? I mean, but for all literally all definitions of that word, yes, except for dorks like us. Yes, um, but uh, it's nice to see that that's happening. It is a little funny to me that timing wise, they still won't have. You know, they're they're putting a lot of publicity, energy, whatever, into building out the idea of the new flight across to Canada, and it's still and it's going to go to Nook, but it still won't have the new airport ready yet, even when that happens. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And, and it's a seasonal route, so when it opens late next year. It'll still won't be there, and it'll have to be for the 2025 season for the Canada flights to truly. Well, I think it's fully connected at the new airport. Yeah, with with the Nook opening like a true international airport, right? Like they're gonna be able to. Oh, you think they'll move like the the Copenhagen flight to Nook? Is yes. that the plan? Okay, I would expect so. Okay, because that that leaves out of like a different city. I can't. Yeah, it leaves out of that other airport now that right. I can't. I can't pronounce. So well, forget pronounce. I don't even remember where it is. It's uh, uh, SFB. SFB, I think. Um, that's Sanford. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't wear Lando. Uh, uh, SFJ, yeah. you're close. SFJ, I was close, yes. Um, Kanger Slutlusak. Kanger Slutlusak? Yeah. Which is, 
it's close to Nook, but not super close to Nook. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm, I've got a, you know, a flight book to get between the two and it's like 30 minutes or something like that. Blah, yeah. It's nothing crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, the geography of Greenland is fascinating. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, cool. That's cool. We'll, we'll, see what, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Also in new airports, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. What? 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 I don't know. I got that in our show notes here. Oh, uh, I t- what? Have you read this article? I didn't put this in the show notes. Oh, thanks, Foz. <laughs> um, apparently, someone is suggesting that they want to build a twelve billion dollar airport. Wow, about thirty miles south of downtown, off of I fifteen. Okay, well, that'll be terrible. <laughs> I mean, the the beauty of the Vegas airport right now is how close it is to everything. Yeah, it still takes thirty minutes to go everywhere. But sure, and I know it's crowded. Uh, and overwhelmed in a lot of ways with the uh, capacity is somewhere around 65 million passengers and they're very close to that already and so yeah. obviously need to do something to talk about dealing with that I do ju- I do wonder and it's a bit in this article here uh, as I'm skimming it while we're talking there is some conversation about how can they would it be a secondary airport mm. or would they try to move everything right and you can, you can, if they don't, I feel like this is a Dulles to DCA or LaGuardia to JFK problem. If they don't put some hard limits on operations at Harry Reid downtown, mm-hmm. no one's going to go to the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one's going to want, why would I fly to the airport a half hour away? Yep. And I mean, it's just what I-15 needs, right? It's more traffic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and certainly they're not going to have mass transit, like good rail transit that avoids the traffic so you know i'm trying to figure out where they would actually do it do you think they would like buy up like the dry lake beds or something like down there at the city of gene because there's like a there's like a sky skydiving place down off 15 when you're coming in i don't know also Um, this this story is from june i don't know why i put it in the notes today but yeah i don't know i i i mean i guess there's there's a lot of potential because it's pretty flat i mean there's mountains everywhere but there's it's pretty flat when you're not near the hills so I guess it's easy to build an airport. Yeah. Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport is currently the official name. 5,000 acres have been allocated. Uh, huh. Sounds like an Allegiant special. <laughs> LA East is what they'll call it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, I, I couldn't help it. <laughs> that. Uh, they did. The, the article does note that perhaps by if... Uh, Brightline West, which is the high-speed rail, actually gets up and running, it might alleviate some of the congestion because people will take that instead of flying. Have they said where the, the Brightline is going to like end? Would it be somewhere in L.A. proper, or would it be? No, nah, their, their current design, and we, I don't put that in the notes, but they got $3 billion, $3.2 billion in federal funding hmm. uh, okay. to help with their $8 billion construction costs. So it's actually moving forward a little bit. That was our... Yeah, there was... A whole lot of rail money was released and announced on Friday last week. I did see that, yeah. So that, I mean, I'm getting... that was one of the projects. But yeah, it's going to be super interesting. It, the original design had it stopping outside LA proper. Like Victorville? And, and there, yeah, and there's a separate project to sort of connect it onward, which I think you're going to start to run into a problem of once people get in a car to start driving, mm-hmm. convincing them to stop driving, to switch modes is 
challenging. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the challenge of LA, really. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not, I'm also not sure where on the Vegas end they're going to put the station, but I guess. I mean, if it went to Central Vegas, if it went to, you know, onto the strip, I mean, it probably won't, but if it did, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, where, do you, where are they going to buy land on the strip that works? But. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you did something even by the airport, yeah, I think mean, that's that's doable for most people, and they would be okay with it, like taking a Uber or Lyft that last mile. So, sure. yeah, that's cool. Um, let's see what else we got here. Seattle Taipei Delta is launching this route next summer because the dartboard wasn't. Uh, you know, like Taipei's got generating some traffic these days. Yeah, they're covering nicely. Yeah, I, I don't. I just I don't disagree. Okay. But for Delta, I mean, they, and Delta, to be fair, used to operate Tokyo, Narita to Taipei as part of their service. And then I think even before that, as part of Northwest service out of Portland, they did like uh, Portland to Tokyo to Taipei to Bangkok or something. It used to be a Seoul. Oh, uh, yeah. Seoul. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, that was it. Uh, thanks, Ned, for posting that old map in his flashbacks on Twitter. That was a great one. Um, yeah. yeah, like I... I got no problem with this route. What was interesting to me looking at it was, I mean, you know, we've talked about Delta's hub at uh, Seattle a bit. And I think there's been talk about how, well, you know, how it's definitely the least profitable of all the hubs and the challenges they're having growing it and making it reliable, et cetera. And this is clearly a hub operation for them. I mean, nonstop is what it is and they'll pull some traffic. But I ran a quick query on Sirium of just like, you know, markets that have a, three out one to three hour connection mm-hmm. in both directions i think i did 90 minutes to three hours going out uh it, you know from international to domestic to give a little bit of cushion i don't know what the minimum connect times at seattle are but i made them up in my head and you know even a, there's even a J- jfk seattle flight that'll connect to it oh well okay but like beyond that just a ton of shorter haul stuff local around the region around you know the western united states where i think i have the map here somewhere um there we go you know san francisco uh los angeles sacramento redmond portland spokane boise salt lake city austin kansas city chicago minneapolis uh nashville there's a lot of routes that connect nicely there yeah denver's one direction lewiston lws yeah uh, lewiston Good old, good old Washington. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there, there's some interesting opportunities there for a connecting flow. I thought was really interesting. That's Idaho. Sorry. That's Idaho. It's on the border. It's, I always forget which one's which. It's Clarkston in Washington. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I mean, I get your point. Like you're saying, it's it, it makes a lot of sense from a connectivity standpoint for them. Um, yeah. And I, I agree. I think the timing is attractive. Um, like, it, it's one of the flights to Taipei that that actually lands at like a decent hour. It's like five o'clock in the afternoon rather than two in the morning. Mid, yeah. Two in the morning or midnight. Um, and so it's nice. I mean, United flight out of San Francisco, they have two flights, but the one that's like leaves during the afternoon lands at you know, five thirty six o'clock. So I think that from that perspective, it's nice. It's weird to me because they're going to be competing with Starlux and Eva. Eva. Does Starlux have a Seattle flight yet or they're going to add it? It's going to start. Yeah. Okay. Starting up soon. Yeah, so that was that was one of our listeners um, brought up. Should Delta try to get onward connectivity on China, like on side, you know, yeah. And the options are Ava or Starlux, and so that's going to be a no and a no. No, but China Airlines, well, that, that Sky Team. All right, I forgot about them. Cool. Uh, yeah, no, that'll definitely work. 
Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's what I was thinking was that they were like trying to exploit that or not exploit it, but utilize that feed um, on the China airline side. I haven't looked at connectivity to, yeah. you know, I mean, what kind of stuff does well, China I mean, airlines yeah. do at night? If you want to fly from Seattle to Ontario, California, you can mm-hmm. do that via Taipei, thanks to the China Airlines Ontario flight, right? <laughs> I mean, that sounds like something you would do. Nah, flight. <laughs> that would be cabotage. It wouldn't be legal. Uh, yeah. Among and it would be stupid, but yeah. I mean, I think I think it's an interest. I mean, I will be interested to see if they actually sell, if they kind of get any kind of joint venture type stuff going and sell onward connections from Taipei on um, China Airlines. Um, I have a feeling that they won't. I just I feel like that partnership's not super strong. I don't know. Yeah, that it's definitely not a uh, joint venture, and I don't know if the u.s has open skies with with Taiwan to allow for that yep now delta could have really come in hard on this and been like yeah we're flying to the domestic airport or the the close in airport tsa yeah is the uh i had a code for that airport yeah i don't think so no no i why not allow it i don't know i'm just thinking like delta could have been like well you won't let us fly into haneda so we're building a little hub tsa (laughs) (laughs) Uh, wishful. Yeah. Uh, might have made me switch carriers. So, uh, for all your travel to to Taipei, yeah, Taipei. yeah. I guess it's actually the runway's not long. It's only eighty five hundred feet there. Oh yeah, big, big, and versus twelve thousand up at uh, Chiang Kai Shek, uh, the old Chiang Kai Shek, Taiwan, Taiwan, Taiwan. Yeah, Taoyuan. Yeah, I don't speak Mandarin, so me neither. <laughs> um, San Francisco Barcelona on United because yeah, level. Maybe. Like, level made this work so well. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, you know, summer seasonal, pick up the... On the edges, pick up some premium traffic and hope for the best. Yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> Pull a 772 onto that route, away from somewhere that, you know, is might not be as well. as well performing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fair. I I... Barcelona seems like a stretch, but maybe it just does it during the summer. They just got the data to say, look, we can connect these people through, you know, Chicago or Newark or Dulles. And it's just easier for us to not do that. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not too surprised by this one again because it's only summer seasonal. Yeah. That's a market that I think gets a pretty good, uh, sees pretty strong demand for the season. Well, and from a, from a, let's just talk theory, right? Perspective. If I'm connecting those passengers, right? If I can sell it at a slight premium, then nonstop. Um, or feed, you know, West Coast traffic into this flight. Yeah. Um, and I'm preventing those people from getting on flights to say Chicago or Newark or whatever. Does, I mean, that opens up me, it opens up the possibility for me to sell more seats on those domestic flights. You get more seats on the domestic and you get more connecting on the other markets. Yeah. Right. So, you know, maybe Edinburgh, which doesn't have a, San Francisco flight, but it does have Chicago. And I'm making that mm-hmm. up. I think it did seasonally. Um, maybe you get a few more passengers that are able to get into Chicago to get there. And um, there's enough nonstop traffic for Barcelona that it works. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they connect some people, quote unquote, backwards. Um, but a few people, you know, Denver could go backtrack to San Francisco rather than going east or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not too bad of a connection. It could give you, you could leave mid-morning or I guess later morning and still make the flight because I think the timing is 
it leaves San Francisco at like two or three in the afternoon, right? No, I didn't look, but sure. I think I think it leaves in the afternoon. It's I not, know it's like very late westbound. Yeah, because let me see. I'm going to look right now. Yeah, it was like a five or six p.m. westbound flight that gets to um San Francisco at like eight p.m. There we go. Uh, five twenty-five p.m. departure from San Francisco, arriving two p.m. Westbound is oh. five twenty, arriving eight twenty-five. That's later than I thought. Then I thought it was going to be like a two or three. Uh, uh, it's that's. I mean, you lo- you don't get a day in Barcelona on arrival, but you don't you can go straight to your hotel, so that's nice. Yep. yep. Um, and you get a full day before coming back, which there are some people who don't like that. I'm married to one of them. Um, he would just, she would just rather come home. Travel day is a travel day, and so. Everything yeah. about it is the stress of getting to the travel, and yep. she does not enjoy sightseeing or trying to tag on one extra thing uh, the morning before in the morning before heading to the airport and coming home. Yeah, I get it. I get. It. I mean, I appreciate that. Really? Um, but I mean, yeah, I think to your point though, like for the Denver stuff, like you could go as far as Denver and do westbound, right, to make this flight, like it, like Las Vegas, uh, Salt Lake City, um, Denver. You know, it, those folks could go west and make the flight pretty easily and have a full day before they they departed yeah I mean, i'm i'm certainly for the eastbound trip for the trip yeah, to yeah. europe coming back is Less there a 10 p.m departure that's going to get them home the same night probably not yeah yeah exactly yeah it won't for Less me maybe for for like portland yeah yeah but but for denver no nah, not gonna happen so um like well, yeah i'm looking it's a 9 p. O'Hare to Barcelona is a 9 p.m. departure. So if you're leaving Denver, you probably have to leave a little earlier to catch the San Francisco flight. You think so? Yeah, because it leaves San Francisco at 5.25 p.m., which is really 7.25 p.m. in Chicago. So there's, I mean, I don't know how much longer that flight is, but there's a 90-minute. It leaves the United States 90 minutes earlier in absolute time. Oh, okay, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I got it. I'd have been stuck, man. Uh, <laughs> but they still might route some people. You know, you can do some of the asymmetric. You might get some people to do that. Uh, who want both. Honestly, I, I, if it was a choice for me, again, I would probably try to take that flight to have the longer sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where I could get and, it. And then, and then, yeah, land, and you're good to go for a few hours, and... You know, go eat and food. get to your hotel, take a shower, have to wait like three or four hours before you can have dinner. But, you know, what about, I mean, Barcelona being traffic wise, <clears throat> do you think it's just a matter of them picking Barcelona because there's there's more summer traffic over, say, Madrid or <clears throat> it, I mean, what's. Yes. What, OK, that's what I figured with like yeah, no, it, the leisure demand into Barcelona and the like holiday travel stuff both as a more appealing i think direct local tourism site also mm-hmm. cruise terminal i think there's some oh yeah Carolina that they may benefit from i'd have to check what that looks like for the summers um and then you know personally speaking like you're on the coast so if you're in madrid it's like 110 degrees yep uh versus on the coast where it's only in the 90s and there's a lot. It's just, you know, I mean, it's sort of like with picking Faro in the south of Portugal. They're they're targeting some very much leisure markets for seasonal service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's a, it does, I mean, it's from May 23rd to October 25th. So pre, just before Memorial Day, it's running late, though. And I give I respect that a little bit. That's, 
you know, going to get the late shoulder season there, not the early one. And yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so Delta's got some A330s stranded in Goose Bay. Are they opening up a hub? <laughs> you know, they got so excited by Continental 757 operation there. They're trying to one-up them with the yeah. 30s. Bigger planes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, an Amsterdam-Detroit flight had to divert. And then they sent a rescue plane. Mm-hmm. And the weather dropped. And the rescue plane, the pilots on the rescue plane couldn't. They ran out of uh, ran out of duty hours. And so then they had to send another rescue plane to rescue the rescue plane and get everybody home. How many days late? Uh, like two. And it was it was Detroit to Amsterdam? Amsterdam to Detroit. The West End. Okay, it was coming back. Okay. So. Yeah. The, the, uh, hey, what, we're, we're recording this on Monday, so I think it happened on Sunday, and then the second one happened on Sunday, and finally by Monday they're getting out. I mean, that's, that's nuts. Yeah, they you know, sent them to the barracks to sleep and we're able to provide food and beverage but not a great experience no no um i thought this was interesting Foz pointed this out to me and so we can talk a little bit about our theories here um newark and dulles to johannesburg have up to this point been uh 787-9s excuse me take a second your throat man killing me here uh it's up to this point been a 787-9 uh, okay. They are going to switch to a 772 for both of those, Dulles and Newark to Johannesburg. Okay. Coming up in the, in the, in the new year, basically. Cool. Why? And where do the 787s go? Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's strange. So the 772, if I remember correctly, is slightly more capacity, right? Uh, I think it's like 50 or 48, maybe of J seats or in coach. Maybe it's bigger. I don't know. I think it's cool. bigger in coach. I wonder if it also has, um, better cargo capacity, at least eastbound. I would imagine westbound, either one is really pushing the limits. Yep. So they're not bringing as much stuff back. My, my, I'm going to err on the side of cargo at this point, mocking any other information. Yeah. Because I'm looking, it's 50, 50 J seats, 24 premium economy, and 202 economy seats. And then I'm going to look at the 787 here. Um, oh. 87-9, come on. Where are you? Riveting content here. Yes. Good riveting. Um, it's hard to find them. Uh, there we go. 48 in business, 21 in premium economy, which is around the same, uh, and then 39 and 149, uh, economy plus, 39 in economy plus, and... So it's 190. It's only 12. It's 13 seats fewer, so it's roughly the same capacity. Yes, why? So it's, I, 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 I'm, that makes me think even more. It's a cargo thing. Um, just cargo capacity. Yeah, is that what you think? It's. I mean, I, I'm just. I think I'm taken aback by the range part of it. I mean, it's that's a long flight. It's 15 and a half hours, and with yeah. winds, it gets kind of weird, right? I, that's that was my remembering. I, maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah. And Joel Hennesburg operates as like hot and high, right? Yeah. So it's, I'm thinking it's probably eastbound cargo, not westbound. Okay. Yeah, it's 7,900 miles from Newark. Yeah. Um, this triple seven has 420 cubic feet of cargo capacity, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm reading random internet searches right. Um, and the, yeah, the 787 is only like 70 cubic meters. Okay. 
So it's, right. no, four, no, I'm reading something wrong because this is also 420 cubic feet. Hmm. That must be a container, not the whole plane. Interesting. Um, yeah, I did not do my research. I apologize. No, it's okay. I just, I think it's odd because, um, I mean, it's a long flight. It's, it's really long and they sell it out. Typically when you look at the seat maps, it's pretty full every day that they have. Um, so it just seems like a bit of a, bit of a risk maybe. Um, I guess westbound you can block seats if you need to. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm looking here. So Emirates says that there are 777-200LR, which is similar, mm-hmm. holds 90 cubic meters and 15,000 kilos of cargo. Well, Amman Air says its uh, 787 is 14,000 kilos and 80 cubic meters. So it's 10 cubic meters and 1,000 more kilos. That's yeah. decent. Yeah. yeah, it's a decent amount. Maybe just, maybe just enough. Hmm. Uh, or they came up with somewhere else where they think the 7879 is going to be a more efficient financially operating, you know, market. But I don't know. Well, so there's a question for you. Where where do the 787-9s go? Like, you know, I, I don't think it's Asia. When's the change happen? January? February? Somewhere, yeah, yeah, January, February. Yeah. Okay. And I can try to find them. But I, I like I, to me, it makes sense. Maybe they maybe they need something for India. Maybe they're starting to play around with the idea of flying a little deeper into India with the seven eight sevens. That's not going to happen without Russia overflight. I feel like you don't think so because I thought I thought Newark could make it. Uh, they do Newark um, can. So you think they'd try to Newark Bangalore kind of thing uh, or Newark Bombay or which one the they're, the one that they're not flying right now? Um, yeah, which I think is it's. I think it's. I think they're flying to Delhi. I don't think they're flying to Bombay. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So, and they could do it. It's seventy eight hundred miles. Um, I think it has to operate hot and high again there, just for summer stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Here, I'm pulling up the report right now. So, uh, between December of this year and March of next year, uh, what are we seeing with changes? Um, I got nothing filed where they're disappearing. San Francisco to Tahiti goes away. That's, all that's, inter- that's interesting. Or it goes down or switch into something else, but it's. Huh. Do you think this is. I mean, let's throw this out here. Johannesburg. That's the other one that shows up on my list. <laughs> Go figure. Which, what is What is it? New York, Johannesburg. Yeah. And, yeah. Drop so, frequencies. Let's, 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 let's throw this out there, right? There's been rumors of a high J config 787. Yeah. Coming. Is this to accommodate that? They, they got to re. They got to re. They'd have to do reconfiguration. So they need to pull them out of service. Pull them out of service. They they lo- they looked at what they need and they said we can do it with the seven seven two, um, and that gives us some slack in the seven eight seven schedule. I'd be surprised if they were able to move that quickly to get the conversion happening mm. without having had this the news leak or be announced. No, I got you. Okay. Doesn't make it impossible, but yeah, it'd be surprising. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. So. Yeah, just just an interesting tidbit that Foz sent me. I thought it was we should talk about it. Yeah. Um. As far as seven, it, well, United doesn't file their flights as seven seven two. That's weird. No, what do they file them as? Probably seven seven seven. Yeah. 
I just, oh, I was, those are definitely different codes. Yeah. Yeah. But those are definitely not interchangeable because they have some that can't go very far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the ones I'm seeing here are definitely, uh, domestic operators, but like Newark Barcelona gets a seven triple seven picks up. Newark Frankfurt gets one in March that doesn't exist in December. China theoretically is coming back. <laughs> um, Let's talk about uh, cargo bits. You had some stuff you want to talk about. So two slightly interesting things going on in cargo in cargo land. Anyway, San Francisco, Hong Kong is dropping, switching from seven seven two to something else. Also, that's weird. What would it drop to? Yeah, yeah. Um, my query is doesn't give me the new. It just shows me what the old one was. Um, Cafe Pacific Cargo has decided they currently operate twenty seven four seven freighters, including I think fourteen of the eight series. Wow. Okay. They are going to buy six A350 freighters with 20 options. Wow. Yeah. So somewhat somewhat of an unexpected potential shift going on there. Um, same time, like, Boeing's in a weird spot. They don't really have anything to sell these days. For, as far as cargo? I mean, yeah. I mean, they could they can offer up a 777X cargo plane. But at this point, if you actually want some certainty of delivery of your aircraft, would you go for a triple seven X. I wouldn't like yeah. certification process, et cetera. We just don't know. You just don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a really tough position for Boeing to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, th- there's rumors of a seven, eight, seven potential freighter, how that would work. You'd sort of need to have it come from Boeing rather than an aftermarket cutting a giant hole in the side of the carbon fiber. Yeah. Situation, right? That's one of those works better on metal than carbon fiber. Yep. Stores. So um, there's that. And then what's the other cargo story I had? Um, it was a good one. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> Shows me right for doing terrible notes. Um, yeah, I really had something else happening in the cargo world. Oh, well. it'll, it'll come to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I found it. Uh, Airbus operates its old belugas yep the a300 yep. model with the sort of whatever puffy head um as a cargo operation now they want to bring them to the united states starting in february to do what uh car- transatlantic cargo basically oh okay and what where it gets interesting to me and i don't know exact dimensions but right now antonov carries a lot of rockets satellites and engines around the united yep. states as and it's quote-unquote illegal it's cabotage so they have to prove that they're the only airline that's available to move these oversized things and generally speaking they are and it generally is just fine i'm wondering if air if the beluga has capacity for some of those parts and as it comes across it might start to poach some of that traffic away from antonov mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Um, in which case, you would start to potentially see domestic Beluga flights happening. Which would be kind of cool. Which would be kind of cool. It's a neat plane. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that is news. That's cool. So, glad I found that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then lastly, um, the fake engine parts. Uh, this was Rolls Royce, right? No, no, this is the GE, uh, yeah. GE, yeah. Whatever, Leap and not Leaps, but, uh, CFMs. They were there was fake parts floating around, and there was a bunch of inspections having to take place because of these fake parts and failures, and yada yada yada. 
and uh, the person who was selling the fake parts has been arrested. A person of interest has been apprehended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's interesting. Obviously, that you know, too little, too late, and what are they going to get from him? But a list of all the planes where the parts are installed. Unfortunately, I think it basically became a problem of they sold on word to random other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy, though. It's still crazy. It's a crazy story. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you want to chat about? No, no, nothing else. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing you guys talked a lot about uh, Hawaiian and Alaska last week. We did. Um, so you know, it had just come. The news had just come out when we started recording, so we're still working through. Um, the details, the joint or the, the joint, but keeping both brands remains confusing to me. Everybody who says, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't fly Alaska airlines out of Asia. So they have to keep the Hawaiian brand. And to that, I say, yeah, I, don't I think that's a silly theory. Like no one actually cares what the airline is called when picking the destination it goes to. Yeah. I, I think. I'm I'm kind of of the mindset. I do think it's like a sub brand that Hawaiian's going to be. Like it's going to be if you're flying from the mainland to Hawaii or from Asia to Hawaii, I I think you're going to fly Hawaiian. That's kind of I think that's the. Do you think we could start to see all of and it's not that many, but all of Alaska's 737s that do island routes become Hawaiian? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I so I've seen some people suggesting. International and inter-island. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does the route from Anchorage, the routes from Anchorage to Hawaii become Hawaiian because of <laughs> Hawaii? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I, I'm just thinking from a cruise scheduling standpoint, right? Like, well, got- so on a scheduling standpoint, it's going to be a single union. I know, but that's my point. Like, are you going to require all your crews to carry around two uniforms? I think there's going to have to be a common uniform. Like, oh. <laughs> All I can think is someone posted like Moana, like a Moana picture. <laughs> It'll be the uniform is like Moana with, you know, hugging, you know, the, the Alaskan. Yeah. Chester. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't know how they're going to do that. The, the, the flight attendant uniform was something I absolutely thought about because like, doesn't even Alaska, like for the flight attendants that fly on the island routes, like they wear lays, don't they? Some I think do. Yeah. I think it depends. Like I, they I haven't. I knew that as one of them gave me one once. So. Yeah, I think they. I don't think they have to wear it, but I think they have one if they're yeah. operating a Hawaiian flight, um, like a Hawaiian a Hawaiian bound flight. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and to your point about how many destinations Alaska flies to, like they fly to a lot of places in Hawaii from a lot of places on the West Coast. Like, yeah, random. I mean, you know, five or six. I mean, yeah, that, there's only five or six destinations in the islands. There's a lot of mainland destinations. Yeah, 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 exactly. But they fly to like Lahui from everywhere, and they fly to you know, you know Oahu from everywhere, and then. I think that's like Kona maybe has most of the de- same places they fly. You know, it's it's a lot. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, that, that's, so one, that's gonna be one to how, see how they play that. Yeah, because like I don't think like from Portland to Maui, right? Like Portland Maui has an A three twenty one from Hawaiian and a seven three nine or seven three max, you know, max seven thirty seven to from on Alaskan. I I don't I don't think. I don't think you can bring those together and put an E330 on that. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. And even if you could, you probably would want to keep a tiny bit of time of day differential and have like an early morning one that goes, that picks up local traffic, and then a later morning one mm-hmm. that picks up connections. Maybe that early morning one, you can actually offer some connections onward, you 
from Lahui, which I know typically like you just route connections through Honolulu, but you could, they do have inter island service, like yeah, yeah. all those things. I mean, I mean, I think it's like raises the question. Like, I come back to it. I, I've been thinking about this for a week now. Um, I, I get why they're doing it. I understand. Like Hawaiian is struggling. Um, Alaska sees an opportunity to be a big carrier um, and potentially offer international service. I see them moving some of that stuff though to Europe potentially, because I think I think Asia is still weak, and I think that's why. I think that's why Hawaiian struggles. Like I think Japan, the Japan market, while it's stronger, I don't think it's back to where it was pre-COVID. Correct. And I do, I think the people at Alaska are smart enough. I think the the leadership is smart enough to say, okay, we got to do something a little different. And maybe that is we offer a one-stop service via Seattle to to Hawaii on an A330 or something. And, yeah. And that and that's what we do from from Europe, you know, London or Amsterdam or whatever. Um, and they kind of they kind of kick kick at the door of Delta a little bit, right? They Delta struggling at Seattle is, you know, I don't know. That's my thought. I just, I feel like there's, there's something else going on. I think, you know what I mean? It, it, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's what I've been thinking about. I think they have to do something slightly different because I don't think they can rely on Asia alone for, for what they're doing. And maybe it's, they offer a Taipei flight. You know, they got this Starlux um, partnership. Um, yeah, they won't if they start flying to Taipei. Well, true. But but what if they what if they offer onward connections or what if they say okay Starlux we'll invite you to Honolulu and we'll do onward connections if you want to you know to the inner island service yeah. um, you know uh, Starlux I could see them doing that um, and then Hawaiian's getting a bunch of seven eighty sevens I and they have a bunch of A three twenty ones I could see them going some of them going domestic and then becoming Alaska becoming a carrier kind of like JetBlue where yeah we've got a mid range product on all of our routes except for these like high tier what we consider high tier routes, JFK to LA, San Francisco, maybe Boston to LA, San Francisco, um, to maybe Orlando to San Francisco or something like one of those Florida routes, Miami or something where you're offering like live flat seats and you can charge a premium for it. I could, I could see that. I don't know. Man. Alaska doesn't like premium on the mainland. I know. I know. But I feel like, I feel like they've got to do something like that's, that's yeah. my, you know, anyway. All right. That's it for that's it's for Steven's uh, terrible market analysis. So, um, yeah, to our Patreon subscribers, stick around. We're going to talk about Hyatt, uh, Cancun, um, and something about Japan. We'll Maybe. follow up with Seth. And uh, yeah, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, thanks for listening. We enjoy you being on, uh, listening to the show, and and leaving us messages on Twitter and and wherever else you would like to. And uh, we'll talk to you in the next one. Happy travels. Take care. <laughs>